Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Bobo is the idea that like, even if we find somebody wonderful, like say you listed all the things that you wanted in that, you know, in that person that you want to date or marry. And you're like, okay, you put them all on paper and you meet that person. You're like, wow. Yeah. So like, she is really great. Meets all my objectives. But like, what if there's like a slightly younger, better looking model of that out there <laughs> looking and so I mean, you're laughing because it's like, yeah, I know, right? And so that's what FOBO, FOBO is the idea that we search and search and search. Now, in order to feel these things, we have to believe that we live in a choice-rich environment. And that is where the dating apps come in. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Shooters Gotta Shoot. I am your co-host, Eric Aspera. And I'm Molly Demillier. And we've got an awesome episode for you this week featuring author Patrick McGinnis. Yeah, this was a really fun one. Very interesting. Um, I first heard him on Matchmaker Maria's podcast. He was Same. great. yeah. And he talks about, he actually is the inventor of FOMO, Fear of Missing Out. Yeah, which I thought that was marketing people. It was technically him. Yeah. He mentioned it in an article like years before it took off. So it's traced back to him. Yeah. He used to write for Harvard Business Review. Yes. Mm-hmm. And now his new book, he talks about FOBO, which is fear of a better option. Yeah. Which I think is more relevant when it comes to dating. Yeah, totally. And especially like with app dating, like we get into it in the episode, but that's essentially like the curse of the apps, right? Yeah. Like hookup culture, I feel like is FOMO. And settling down or choosing a partner is FOBO. Yeah. Yeah. I think that makes sense. And I think in life, there's just generally more FOMO. Like right mm-hmm. now, post-pandemic, I'm just feeling like having to choose between going on dates and going on happy hour with friends that I haven't seen in months. Yeah. You know, because it's like everybody's trying to like get out and do stuff. And it's like, I don't want to miss miss out on one of the things. So I'm like stacking my nights (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah and as all the like weddings are now rescheduled and whatever events you had or i've had a bunch of family things that were just like hey now that we can see each other let's get together and so those often take up your whole weekend Mm -hmm. so then also you look at your summer calendar you're like all all my weekends are gone yeah so you finally get a free friday night and you're like okay how do i want to spend this friday night and then the pressure makes it hard to pick what you want to do yeah and then like everything is so full then you have a friend hit you up for like a tuesday like three weeks out and like do you want to do something and like in the back of my head i'm like absolutely not but it's like i don't want to say no because like what if we're locked inside for a year again yeah i've had to schedule stuff out literally three weeks in advance same where i'm like okay i don't have a show or anything else and i can meet you at 8 yeah 20 yeah and i actually i have one friend that like she just i think she knows every single person on the planet so she's always booked to so to hang out with her I have had stuff on my calendar for September since the first time we hung out when she came back to the city in like May. Oh my God. Because that was like when she was first free. 
and I was like, okay, so now mm-hmm. every time we talk, I'm like, okay, when's the next opening in your calendar? And then I have to put it on mine. For real. I put yeah. I put a calendar reminder actually for me to hit up a friend because they would be back in New York City yeah. after that date. Yeah. Like it's it's truly insane. Like when people are like, I don't have time to date. I'm like, I'm, I feel that right now. Yeah. It's exhausting. Mm-hmm. Um, well, before we get to our episode, uh, guys, we have a sponsor as always, sunsetlakecbd.com, uh, and you tried their new melatonin. I did. Yeah. I was having some trouble sleeping. So, um, our buddies over there had sent us some of this, uh, CBD with melatonin and dude, it knocked me right out because mm-hmm. you know, it has been disgustingly hot and humid in New York and like, I just... I cannot sleep like that where you're just like sweating. I can't either. And it's it's unbearable. It's just like tossing and turning. And I was like, this is stupid. Like I have the potion right (laughs) right in the cupboard. I have a special sauce. Yeah. (laughs) I was out in like 10 minutes. I mean, I don't blame you. I've taken melatonin before. Um, I haven't tried that yet. But I mean, my go-to is just really using any of their products when I come home after either a very stressful day or especially performing and my adrenaline's up. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I feel that too of like just being social. Yeah. Like if you're extroverted, you're like on that energy high of seeing everybody. And then mm-hmm. you're like, I need to go to bed. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, guys, if you want to use any of their products, use our promo code SGS20 for 20% off. And that's sunsetlakecbd.com. And uh, join Patreon for 30% off. Yeah, we got extra discounts on the Patreon, uh, extra behind the scenes. And Patreon is patreon.com slash shooters gotta shoot. Come get this tea. Yo, there's been a lot lately, too. We dished a lot on what went down in Cabo, and Uh I think you guys are going to want to hear it. So much. Um, Well, anyway, I think that's it. We got to get to our guest. Let's do it. Let's do it. We are always running for the thrill of it, thrill of it, always pushing up the hill, searching for the thrill of it, all and all and all. Well, we have to get to our guest this week, and I am so excited to have him on. You might have read his book, The Fear of Missing Out, Practical Decision-Making in a World of Overwhelming Choice. Or heard him on the podcast, FOMO Sapiens. Or seen his TED Talk, How to Make Faster Decisions. It's Patrick McGinnis. Welcome to the show. (laughs) Hey, good to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much for coming on. You know, I think Erica and I were just so intrigued when we heard about, you know, your theories of FOMO and FOBO. So I think just out the gate, it would be really helpful for our listeners if you could just explain both of those terms. Yeah, of course. So these are my life's work. I never thought I would spend my time talking about two acronyms I invented when I was 26 years old, but (laughs) here we are. Um, FOMO stands for fear of missing out. That's the more popular one that's in the dictionary. And that is the anxiety that's produced by um, by the perception that there's something better happening than what you're doing right now combined with a fear of being excluded from a beneficial collective experience. FOBO stands for fear of a better option. And that is a perception that even though you have plenty of good opportunities to choose from in front of you, like, you know, when you're making a decision that there might be something better out there. And so therefore you want to wait as long as possible to get the very perfect thing. And of course you may end up never deciding anything. Yeah, that's, that's certainly a risk. And I think, you know, both really apply to dating and relationships a lot as much as they apply to everyday life. You know, I think initially when I think of FOBO, I think of apps like Bumble and Tinder. Can you explain a little bit to our listeners of how these might apply to relationships and dating specifically? Totally. So there, the dating world is a perfect 
place for this. And I do talk about it a bit in the book, but I did not write a dating book because <laughs> like that, ugh, you know, that's a whole other <laughs> situation. So, so I do mention this though. And that's the fact that if you think about FOMO, FOMO, you know, is about the idea that we're not focused. We are, you know, we are on nine apps and we have three matchmakers and we also have everybody we know is setting us up and we're going on a date a lunch, a date, a dinner every day, seven days a week. And we're just like, ah, you know, spreading ourselves too thin and just being a little bit extra as it were. FOBO is the idea that like, even if we find somebody wonderful, like say you listed all the things that you wanted in that, you know, in that person that you want to date or marry. And you're like, okay, you put them all on paper and you meet that person. You're like, well, yeah. So like, she is really great. Meets all my objectives, but like, what if there's like a slightly younger, better looking model of that out there so <laughs> looking? And so I mean, you're laughing because it's like, yeah, I know. Right. And so that's what FOBO. FOBO is the idea that we search and search and search. Now, in order to feel these things, we have to believe that we live in a choice rich environment. And that is where the dating apps come in. If you lived in a small, like, like Azerbaijani village where, you know, you had like, 14 people that you could potentially date and marry. Like I once met this guy from this ethnic minority in Europe. It was like this sect of Judaism where there were a thousand people in the whole world and you have to marry within that group. Like he is not going to have the FOBO. Okay. Like <laughs> he just has to pick one. But if you are, uh, you know, a 20 something living in Manhattan and you have hinge and Tinder and all of the apps and you have literally thousands of people that you could go out with, you're going to have those things happen. Yeah, that's that small village sounds like fear fear of options running out. Yeah. <laughs> More than oh, that. Stuff. I, like <laughs> I also love that you use the example of a younger, more attractive. That's such a male example to say, because the female know, version would be like a more successful version of this man. Uh, yeah, you just you just got a glimpse into my psyche. So there we go. <laughs> I do think there's also a little bit um you know, just in addition to the apps, but also with age, because I think, you know, I was in my younger 20s and dating and I would think like, yeah, this guy is really great, but am I like too young to kind of stop dating now? And so is there like an age that you think that people should start to be more serious about their options? You know, I think it's a very personal thing, but I will tell you this, that our level of FOMO and FOBO changes over time. And it's largely driven by two things. Number one is how much experience you have. Like when you've lived, when you've gone on 37 dates a week for years and you've had a lot of relationships or sexual partners or whatever, there's less mystery in it. It's not like you're at high school and you're like, oh my God, like, what's it going to be like? Oh, what's it going to be? You know? No, you're like, I have kissed half of Chicago. <laughs> there's no... <laughs> there's no, by the way, I don't live in Chicago. I'm not talking about me, but, but there's like, no, you know, and so like the, the desire to like date all the kinds of new people just recedes with time the same time. And this happens, I think, although a lot of men more than women, and I don't, by the way, I'm not a dating expert, so I, I shouldn't even make pronunciations, but I just see this in my crowd. Men hit a certain age and are like, oh my God, I'm now, you know, X age. I got to move on this. Like I've dated around, but now I gotta get serious. I think women tend to be a little bit that that doesn't really happen as much as what I can see. But I do think that like your sense of mortality and just like, Oh my goodness. Like I woke up one day, like, Oh, like I found like all this hair in the shower drain. Like I'm getting old, you know, then you just sort of like get over your FOBO. And I think, you know, that's kind of interesting. So it definitely is influenced by age, but of course, like it's, 
deeply transformed by, way, by, by the fact of whether or not you think you have options. Because if you're like a 40-year-old male and you think, well, in two years, I'm going to like exit an IPO in my company and be a billionaire, like I may have way more options than today if I'm like a nerdy guy. So like maybe it's worth it for me to wait. If your looks are going down the hill and you're getting tired, you may not, you know, then you're probably like, let's pack it in. And so I think that's the kind of thing. <laughs> It depends on your company's evaluation. Is that what I just I mean, heard? Listen, now you're getting the VC side of me. It's just, I'm really putting it out there today. No, uh-huh. I like it. I think you just basically touched on the, what's the saying? It's like, women are ready for marriage when they meet the right guy. And men are married for, ready for marriage when they just hit that time in their life. Yeah. And then they're like the first, like they could literally have dated like the most, I've seen this a million times. Like you dated like the most wonderful girl, but you have FOBO. And then you like, you realize like basically FOMO is the, the biggest thing that drives FOMO to disappear is the fear of having no options at all. So then like you've dated this beautiful, wonderful, amazing woman. And then like literally like this completely random woman who's like completely unsuitable walks in the door and you're like, I'm going to marry her. I've seen that so many times. Mm. It's it is interesting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I know in FOBO you talk about high state or no stakes, low stakes, and high stakes decisions. Can yeah. you talk us through that a little bit? That's what my TED talk is about, how to make faster decisions. And this is the reason why I did that talk. Like, So I, I noticed that the more successful people I knew became, the, least, the less decisive they were. And I'm talking like, because mm. the thing about FOBO is the more options we have, the more we are at risk of having FOBO because it's like, oh, there's so many things, I've got to explore them all. And the more, the older you get, um, the more money you have, the more success and power you have, um, the more likely you are to have more options, people offering you things or just being able to generate things for yourself. And so what I started to realize in many people, including myself is like, not only am I having like existential crises about like big things in life, where should I live? You know, what, what should I do for a living? Because like nowadays we can do so many things, but I was doing it on, I was feeling these feelings about the most mundane things. Like should I go to the equinox today? Like that became like a three hour, oh my God, I don't know. Like what, you know, it's just, and so I realized like how incredibly pointless and what a great sort of waste of energy that was. And also it's just like a bat. Like when you telegraph indecision to the people around you, it's such a killer of your credibility. And so um, that was the, the sort of like, I sort of, because I didn't want to be that guy, well, I had a very close friend who was indecisive. This person dated a, a woman for over 10 years and couldn't commit and like, but like also can't like choose dinner. Do you know what I mean? So I saw that yeah. and the destructive qualities of that. And I was like, I'm going to fix that. And so, you know, I write about this in the book, but the way I did it for myself is I came up with this paradigm of high stakes, low stakes, and no stakes decisions. High stakes decisions are things that are important. In a relationship, it would be like, Are we going to your family's house for Christmas or my family's house for Christmas? Are we, you know, are we going to live in this city or that city? Um, Low stakes decisions are things that are like important, but like they, you need some criteria, but like you're not going to remember in a month. So it's like, where are we going vacation this year? Where are we going to go for our anniversary dinner? Like it's important. You don't want to just go to like anywhere, but spending tons of time on it is stupid. And then low stakes decisions are things you won't even remember having worried about in a couple of days. And that's literally like, um, you know, what, you know, how should we sign the card to our parents or should we have kids? Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that's high stakes. 
That's my six money. <laughs> I was like, you had me was, until the last one. I was, I've been planning that all day. So anyway, <laughs> so, anyway and so the way you deal with those things is for the no stakes and the low stakes, you outsource them. For the no stakes, literally I flip a coin or I, what I do is I look at my, like, it's like, what should I have for lunch today? Or like, you know, should I like, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I have a date next week and I'm cooking dinner. And it's like, there's two things I could make. And it's like, they're both fine. I'm not going to agonize. It's like, should I make the chicken or the fish? If it's even on my watch, I do one. If it's odd, I do the other. I just looked down at my phone, done and dusted. So that's how I do that. <laughs> that's the hell of a process. <laughs> it's like, boom. Faster than a coin one, flip. It is very fast. The second is I do outsourcing. So it's like a minor, like, where should we go? Which play should we go to? Or something like that. It's like, I just asked somebody, like I asked my friend who knows about theater, which play to go to? You decide. And I outsource to all my friends know they're like, you're outsourcing again. You're doing a low stakes decision. I'm like, yeah, I am. So make the damn decision. <laughs> and then the high stakes is a much more, you know, we can talk about this if you want, if I get into the book, it's a much deeper dive where you really go through the options in a very thoughtful way. And so that's, you know, you really spend the time and you take it upon yourself to do that. Yeah, I think that's that's interesting. And thinking about relationships of, you know, do you think there really are things in relationships that you can pick by the number on a clock? Uh, I do. Anything that wouldn't matter in a few days. So for example, should I get, um, and it could be as a part, as, as, as a couple, you're sitting down with your partner and you're trying to decide what hotel to stay at on your vacation. And you got three choices and you're ag, I see this all the time. It creates friction in the relationship. You're like, it, you know, it's like you get a, one of the people's indecisive one is and you get annoyed. Whatever. If you just said, listen, let's just take the two that we think we can't decide between and just flip a coin. You could then go off and enjoy your vacation. You just got to let it go. And that's really important because FOBO is driven by the fear of choosing something that won't be absolutely perfect, which is impossible, by the way. And so you are so afraid of being disappointed. Well, guess what? Life is about, you know, trade-offs and accepting, and there, you, there is no riskless option. The problem with FOBO is that people don't realize that. They're trying to optimize, and that's where you get to trouble. Okay. I, I think that's so interesting because when it, you think about relationships, or at least I tend to do this, of especially when it's really new, it becomes kind of like the most important thing in your life. So then every decision just seems so magnified. So the thought of just, I don't want to say like dumbing it down, but really like lessening it so much, it's its hard to grasp that idea. Yeah. And I get that, but here's the, here's the upshot of that. And I, and I think, I think, you know, I don't want to like characterize, but I do think women tend to think more deeply about these things than men, which yeah. I think is, I, and I appreciate oh, for that. Sure. Right? Mm-hmm. I'm super, I never want to like stereotype, especially in ways that could be perceived as sexist. Cause like who needs, like, that's not what we do here. Right. But, but um, I would say that that seems to be a trend. And what I would say is like, what happens then though, is you spend so much energy on the small things that when it comes to the big things, you're tapped out. Mm-hmm. And so like any other, every resource, this is not a renewal. It's a renewable resource, but it, you know, your time and energy you've got to invest them in the, in the areas with the highest impact. And when you're worried about the things that don't matter, you're not able to do that. That's why it was interesting when you said like the higher up somebody typically gets, usually the harder the smaller decisions are because just from people I've known or like worked for, as I see them move up, they just don't have the time that then they like outsource all those things. They're like, my vacation, I hired a travel agent. My my office, I hired a decorator. I don't even want to think about it. Yeah. Like- <laughs> it's very powerful. And I think the reality is that like, 
when you, we often use those small decisions to procrastinate so that we don't have to deal with the important things in life. Mm. It's a tool that we use. And so like, if you're spending all your time deciding what you're going to order, it's free green, but you aren't dealing with the fact that you hate your job, like you're undermining your own sort of potential to be successful. Right. Or I've noticed in relationships, I feel like there's typically, and this could go be the man or the woman. There's typically one person that will always be like, oh, I knew we should have done X, Y, and Z, right? Yeah. There's always that person in the relationship that you're like, the other person, I watch them learn to go, I'm just going to let them make all the decisions. Because if I make a call on something small and it doesn't turn out the way they wanted it to, they're more mad than if they made the decision and it didn't turn it's out so the way true. they wanted it to. So, what's so crappy about that, if I may, is that the person who's doing the I told you so has no idea. Yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> That is all, that's just a power play of a person who is, doesn't feel empowered enough to just accept their own decisions. Mm -hmm. um, it's not a good look, but like, that's why I focus so much on decision-making in my work, because like what I've learned as being a decisive person and be able to, especially with the small things, like I don't think about, like even I was fretting about something the other day, I can't remember what, and my mom even said to me, like, why don't you just do the flip the coin thing, Patrick, that you always do. And I was like, mom, you're right. And then I did it. <laughs> And I was great. And I moved on to the more important things in my day. Because how many decisions do we make a day, right? Mm -hmm. And relationships, everything else. And when we get to relationship things, they do, as, as you noted, like they feel so important and so like fraught, right? But like so many of these things, the, you are injecting the drama. And therefore, to free yourself from that, you must remove yourself and your drama from the decision-making process. I think that makes sense. But I do have a question about outsourcing Uh decisions and relationships because don't you think that kind of hits a fine line of not getting other people involved in your relationship and like what how should you make the decision of when to outsource and when really not to of like yeah. when other people should have a say and when they shouldn't yeah does it depend on the stakes i would guess yeah I, okay. I would say for the low stake stuff first of all you need to be in agreement that you would outsource that thing so if yeah. one person yeah okay it, okay i'm with you now yeah now like i got this I couch because my friend said honey and we don't have to think about it <laughs> totally and by the way if one of you wants to outsource and the other doesn't the one who doesn't and wants to take it upon themselves like i think it's great to say like everybody has things that are really important to them like the couch right if you're like moving in together and like you know I, i'm like i don't really care like it, just don't like get it don't get a brown couch because i you know whatever and then you know the woman um in the relation, you know, is like more thoughtful and really cares about like, good, like go do that, but please be decisive. Like I, what I don't want to do is you be stuck with your phobos. So if you, like, I have a couple of friends, I have know some people who like their, their spouse is very phobo and living with somebody who is mired in phobo is really exhausting for everybody. So I think like if that person wants control, but can't make decisions, then that needs to be reckoned with. Okay. Yeah. I just think of scenarios like I have a few friends in situations like this where they'll kind of go to friends or family for different situations. And then their partner will always say, like, your friends or your family are too involved in our relationship or they know too much about our relationship. So I think it can be a challenging line to decide what to say and, and what not to say to other people. Yeah, it's a really good point. It all comes back to I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna save myself right now because it's all about how you personally define a low stakes decision. Okay. So for one person, a low stakes decision could be, you know, where do we go on vacation? 
Um, for another person where maybe you have family that lives abroad and there's pressure to visit home, mm -hmm. it's a high stakes decision. It's not something that you would, you know, and so like it all, it all gets down to like how you define low stakes. But again, the low stakes decision should be something, you know, definitionally it's something that doesn't involve a lot of time and money. Um, you know, it's not like it's going to, you know, change your life radically, but it's also something that like you will not in a month's time you will not be able to remember why you cared so much, mm -hmm. right? So that's a really good mental model to think about how you classify. Okay. Can, can I say something too about outsourcing to just your your partner, like giving your partner something to handle? Yeah. I've, I've often been like the planner of things like since I was in high school of like, I'm organizing the prom group, right? To like, just with friends being like, hey, I plan this thing, you wanna join? Here's the details, right? Nothing drives me more crazy than when you take initiative, you pick something, you decide something, and then people like not argue with your decision, but like make comments about it. Cause you just look at them like, well, would you like to plan it? Cause I'll take the back seat if you want to plan it. And then suddenly it's like, oh no, 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 I didn't want to plan it. So I think of like that example of like, if you told your partner, like, okay, you pick out the couch and then they pick out the couch and they're all excited. And then you come home and you like make a comment about it or like, don't like their decision. I'm like, well, you're not allowed to do that either. You can't outsource it and then be upset <laughs> when you weren't well, a part of the process. Yeah. You know? You've just nailed it. This is the thing that you just said in a, your own way, but I'm going to put my Patrick yeah, no. way, which is- I didn't go to Harvard, why, so I'd like to hear your way. <laughs> that's why. Well, this is why, because everybody at Harvard is like that, by the way. People are like prima donnas, and I love everybody, but like we did these trips to Africa where this friend of mine organized everything, this friend Lucy, and people were like, um, so Lucy, like, you know, um, I didn't want to have, you know, the, the, we were like in safari. It's like, I wanted the green safari, um, you know, car and not the blue one or whatever. People were just so ridiculous. And right. that's why people with FOBO suck because, <laughs> because those people are putting their FOBO on you. And like, that is why it's, you've got to call it out because uh. it's like, it's true what you say. It's like, all right, you have FOBO right now. I've given you a perfectly acceptable option and you are basically we want something better unless you can generate the for now. Like, don't, I don't want to hear about it. And so like, I'll never do this again. And so th those of us who live with people or deal with people who have FOBO, we can't become like their victims. We have to push back on it. Mm -hmm. This is also why I'm like, everybody should have to be the leader and the organizer one time and the planner, because then they know how annoying it is when everybody well, else starts chiming in. You're so right. And you know what we did on that Africa trip? You just made me remind me is because of that <laughs> dynamic. We then assigned every person on the trip the responsibility for one day. Yeah. The CEO of the day. And it created a lot more empathy around how hard it was. Good. It was awesome. Yeah. Because people have, people have no idea. Like I, I'm going to a bachelorette party coming up, which is like another relationship best thing. And mm -hmm. I'm not planning it at all. I, I'm just, I just got to Venmo someone. They keep emailing suggestions. I'm like, whatever y'all want to do, I'm in. <laughs> I'm so excited to not have to plan one thing of that trip. Just tell me when to show up. Yeah, I'm like, tell me when to show up and I got a car if anyone needs a ride and I'm out. That's it. Love it. That's such a smart idea for a trip. I love that. Yeah. Probably gonna have to Harvard, baby. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, okay, so what outside factors of a relationship do you think have the biggest impact on FOMO or FOBO? Wait, can you repeat that question? Because it broke. Oh, up sorry. <clears throat> what outside factors do you think have the greatest impact on FOMO or FOBO in relationships? Yeah, I mean, I think 
listen, the things that drive FOMO and FOMO in relationships is how much, how much choice you perceive there to be out there. And especially what, what I call reference anxiety. So people who have these feelings often spend a lot of their time looking at other people and comparing themselves and saying, do I stack up? And so for example, if you and your partner have a certain life, you live in a certain place and a certain thing. And then one of the people in the relationship is like, well, you know, Chrissy and Bill, they live in a nicer house than us. They have better jobs. And they do better things than us. If you start to compare yourselves with other people, that start, it starts generating these feelings that the perception there's something better out there because what you're doing, this is what's so messed up is you're inventing a narrative in your head that may or may not correspond to reality, but you're seeing it on Instagram and you're creating a fictional parallel universe in which everything's better than what you're doing. And, 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 and that's really a bad place to be because it probably does not correspond to reality, right? We, when we see things like Instagram's a great example, right? Like none of that's real. I mean, the filters and the minimum, but also just like everything is packaged in a certain way. And so like when you do that, whether it's through Instagram or through other things and start to sort of say, well, what, there's a better life out there that I'm not living based on, you know, something that, that may not, you know, it's perception, it could be deception. And that's what's so frustrating is that you may have a very good life, but you spend so much time devaluing the good that you have because you feel like there's something better that you could have, even if it's probably not even real. Yeah. It's the whole grass is greener mentality. Mm-hmm. Precisely. Or it's funny that like something simple, I think everybody can wrap their head around is like people post like adorable pictures of their children. Right. But we've all like gone to visit someone with kids and they're running around like crazy <laughs> and it's chaos. And then one's crying. And it's like, so we all know what that's like being in that environment. It's not always, Hey, we're, it's, smiling and posing for this picture and being cute but it's funny that like with adult relationships I almost feel like it's harder to imagine the like you know kind of downtime or dull time or fighting time like when we're not there because that is something like they're adults they can hide that when you're around them not if you stay for the weekend at their small house (laughs) very true or vacation you're right yeah very true but then you know it's i mean we all know the story of the perfect instagram or facebook couple and then you find out like he had like a heroin addiction and was like frequenting a prostitute and she was like you know secretly unemployed and like doing only fans and you're like oh my god you know what i mean and you're like what that happens all the time so i do think that like that's where the life experience comes back into it and the age it's like the more that you lived and you start to see i i see this all the time to people i know are younger like people who are like 10 or 20 15 years younger and they're like talking about the feelings and i'm like you know i've seen this story so many times now like here's like the three ways it plays out so just you know what i mean it's like but you won't know that when you're when you don't have as much life experience i think that's really important to know Yeah. And I think the more that we just continue to live our lives for social media, the worse that that gets. Like I was talking to someone the other day about just the concept of engagement photos. Like what, (laughs) what is the benefit of those really, except just to showcase to the world on social media. it's like, we all know before that photo was taken, everybody was screaming at each other. Like it's (laughs) not, you're not just happy, like making out in a lake. It's so true. It's just engagement photos in New York City are just an excuse for two people to block traffic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I want to them in the middle of the damn road. What is up with that? No idea. Um, so do you think that FOBO and FOMO impact men and women equally? And especially as it compares to relationships? I think it's just different. 
yeah. I think, <laughs> <laughs> see, I can't speak for the, I'll speak from the perspective of male. Okay. And I will say, and this is again, generalization. So like nobody write me angry things. And if you do, you have to at least follow me on Instagram. And <laughs> but um, men tend to, maybe it's time, now I'm doing a psychoanalysis. Like I think men t- tend to like exaggerate the good in them and think that they have more things than they do. Like every guy thinks he's better looking, smarter, and more intelligent than he is. Um, and therefore is more prone to feel all the foes because there's a perception of having tons of opportunity out there. Um, I think women tend to feel more FOBO because women, like women are more mature than men, right? So the FOMO part of like, I want to be everything all the time and I want to do all these things. And like, I, like, I think that's like a, it's more like, I think women have more FOMO when they're like, they're like, they're, they have children and they're like, sort of like really in the trenches and they're like, oh my God, I could have been like, I could have like been living in France, like, like Mrs. Maisel on, you know, like on fabulous Mrs. Maisel, like just often moves to France. She's like, I could have lived in France. I don't know why I'm here anymore. I'm leaving. Like, I think women sort of are like, they think about the road not taken where men are like, don't have that kind of thoughts, but women on FOBO, I think women tend to be a little bit more risk averse in decision-making and more weary of choosing the wrong path and feeling regret. And so they're more likely to have FOBO. Now that's very anecdotal. I have not seen research on this topic, so I don't want to speak out of school, but based on sort of the conversations I've had with, with people in the many interviews I've done, that sort of seems to be a little bit of the tendency that I've observed. Okay. I mean, I think two women function more on the idea of a biological clock too, and kind of just scrap any of the like almost. <laughs> Yeah, or we yeah. always we always talk about like dating, you know, I just hit 30, Molly's a little bit behind hitting 30, but we already are like, oh yeah, how I used to date just five years ago, I wasn't really trying to date seriously. You would just be like, oh, I like being with this person. Let's see how it goes. And now it's like, oh, okay, now that there is more of a conscious like biological clock, it's like, okay, if I do want kids, realistically, when do I want to have them by? And do I want to waste my time dating someone that maybe not even kids, just if you want to get married, like, you know what I mean? So it's, it's, there's so many factors now that it's like, I really didn't consider at all when I was younger. And I didn't have that like fear of a better option. Cause it was just like, we have time. (laughs) You're right. Actually, you, you just made, I think what you say is absolutely correct, which is the, the biggest, the, the way to overcome FOBO is to create a deadline and basically be like, you have it till this point to decide. And then your options are all gone. And so women more than men, I mean, men still have their own sort of stuff, but women more than men definitely have that sort of like the biological factor, which I think is a big driver. And I would say it's interesting because you see that in men, I'm sure you've heard this before. It's like, well, I really like her, but I'm sure she wants to have kids quickly because she's, you know, 35. So I don't want to put that on her. Like if I, if I don't want to feel the pressure, like to, if I'm going to date her that I have to like lock it down and I'm not ready for that. And so you do see that everybody's aware of that on both sides of the equation and it, it drives some of the action and the decision-making that people sort of experience. Oh yeah. I've known men to not even go on a date with a woman that was like 33, just cause they were like, Oh, she's probably gonna want something serious. And I was like, I mean, you don't know that. <laughs> like, <laughs> you should ask her. <laughs> yeah. Like, like, but they were just uh, intimidated. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. Um, but it's, I think almost, if anything, I, I almost feel like it's the opposite with women I've known. I've almost wanted to sit there and be like, you could do better. But then I understood their side of it of being like, I'm a certain age and I want kids and a family. And I feel like then I should just be with this person that I'm with. 
And also once women invest like a couple of years into a relationship, there's so much fear of getting back out there and having to do it all again. That's like, is it really worth it? Uh, yeah, I, I think that's for sure true. And it's, it's always, you know, when you have certainty, you at least know where, versus the, you know, fear of the unknown photo, um, is another <laughs> thing we could talk about. And it's, uh, that's very, and I think right now, especially with having gone through pandemic stuff, like everybody is like super traumatized about having been through a year where there was no predictability or stability. And it's like very a feeling is really scary for people right now. And so putting yourself out there in the post-pandemic dating world has been like, for a lot of people, really hard, right? And it's been something they've had to work extra hard on. Yeah, I, that definitely makes sense. Um, I'm curious, do you think, just looking at society as the whole, do you think they're more accepting of men who struggle to make decisions or women who struggle to make decisions? Well, I, I don't think it's controversial to say that like men get cut slack on everything. And <laughs> men don't like I just, it's true, right? Like men can do, like we just don't face the level of stigma and judgment and criticism that women do. So on anything that I can think of actually, and I'm not some like radical feminist here. So men who are listening, <laughs> do not write me e mad emails. And if you do, you have to follow me on Instagram. Patrick but, um, but no, I think, men who are indecisive they're like well he's really thinking it through like he's a really careful guy and women are indecisive it's like well she just doesn't know what she wants right mm -hmm. it's so it's and it was just so unfair but ladies that's why you know i really encourage you to work on your decision making because men by the way as a man i find it very attractive when a woman is decisive and can just decide things i think it's a wonderful quality not that you know i'm not saying like make snap judgments or be closed-minded but like if you can if you can be like, here's the plan and we're doing it for these reasons, like I think that's a wonderful, wonderful quality in a, in a life partner. Well, correct me if I'm wrong, but would you say that you're at the point in your life that you would like to like marry someone and have a serious relationship? Yeah, yeah, yeah of course. Yeah, yeah, your answer makes sense because I've had many men <laughs> tell me, uh, you seem like someone who knows what they want and that's intimidating. Thank yeah. you, pandemic. <laughs> Now, definitely, I think for the pan, I'm one of those people who the pandemic was like a great education. It was like, you know, I, it was a great teacher. And I think it's like you start to clarify what's important to you and what's not, not just for relationships, but like all of the aspects of your life. And that still requires you to make changes and accept and be uncomfortable and know that like, oh, like, oh, I'm going to change all this stuff. And like, nobody wants that. But, um, but I think that knowing that is like the first part of a very important process. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. I would agree with Erica, though, of just as a woman when you're decisive but especially when you're too direct about it or just really like direct at all it's very easily to get perceived as a bitch mm -hmm. and just oh, just yeah. like thrown into that bucket it's like okay yeah both like just relationships are like i mean especially at work yeah is the definitely. big place where we see it but yeah, yeah and that's on the men because like listen i mean obviously if you're really mean and horrible like then you are not very nice but like i think it's like men have to realize their cognitive biases away around the way they see how women behave and maybe women can help them to do that. But like, you're right. Like, you know, I see so many of my friends are female entrepreneurs and the things that are said about them and the way that they're portrayed is so crazy. Mm -hmm. And if a guy did it, it would be just like chill. And I think that's the same thing in relationships and stuff. And so like, I think it's shifting and I see the way that men talk about women is really different than it was 20 years ago. It's much more, I don't know. It's much more healthy. 
But at the same time, like I am very comfortable saying that women are framed in ways that are completely ridiculous that men have never have to deal with. Yeah, I always get so jealous of people with gender neutral names. Like every time I write a direct email, because I'm like, if my name was Taylor, this would be fine. (laughs) (laughs) Or Chris. Yeah, Chris. That's a good one. Um, based on your research, what advice would you have for people that struggle to essentially like pick their partner in life? They, they struggle to commit. Yeah. So this is a, we'll get, this is the big like decision, right? So first of all is like, when you feel full, let's, this is a really a FOBO thing. Like number one, you have to think, you know, it's based again, the definition is like the belief that there's something better out there based on the perception that you have more options. And like, first of all, you have to really ask yourself, is that true? (laughs) Do I have better, like, is, is like a, you know, 28 year old German supermodel who also has a PhD from Cambridge going to show up tomorrow? Probably not. If she does, (laughs) she's not going to be calling you. But, (laughs) But, you know, think about what are your criteria and then do the, so like, think about your criteria. What's important to you? Are you, you know, there's many factors. It could be, it could be intelligence. It could be kindness. It could, and by the way, like some people may be like, I don't care about intelligence. Like good, you know, you do you. I'm not sure why you'd say that, but okay. (laughs) But it's like, I want, I know this one, he's like, I just want a very attractive blonde woman. And I was like, that's it. He's like, yeah. And I'm like, really? Like, you don't want like, I don't know, like compassion or what? He's like, ah, that's fine. But like, I'm really focused. I'm like, okay. Like, then that makes it easier for you. You know what you want. Mm-hmm. Um, but like figuring out, like, I want somebody who is, you know, creative or would be a great mom or would be, you know, is going to really like take care of me. What are those things are for you? Um, or who will let me take care of them? I don't know. There's a million things. Figuring those out and listing them out, writing them down on paper. And then when you're thinking about your options, it's like really thinking through like, do these people, you know, meet my criteria? And if they don't get rid of them, if they do, you know, keep them. But like driving towards, you know, what are the most important things? That's a really fundamental part. And the other thing is just like thinking deeply about that perception. There's better stuff there. Because I think that's where you get into trouble is the fictional parallel universe you've invented, the sliding doors where suddenly you're just going to have every option in town. You know, that is not real. And you don't want to wake up one day realizing you have no options at all. And that like, you know, basically you have nobody wants to date you. That would suck. So you want (laughs) to avoid that. Um, so earlier we were talking a bit about how, uh, the dating apps can really just increase FOBO and FOMO. Mm-hmm. Do you have any strategies that people can use when using the dating apps to kind of cut down on, on those feelings? Yes. Okay. So whew, it's, it's a very interesting question. And like I had, um, I have a friend called Meredith Golden. I don't know if you guys know Meredith. She's, um, she's great. And she's a dating, um, coach and, she's actually coming out with an app and like a couple of things I would say is number one, you can, you must limit your time. You can't just be like, no, you can't just swipe right for everybody. Like I see like kids I know, like they're in their twenties or just like swipe, 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 swipe. Be a little more intentional, like be intentional about the choices you make. Number two is, um, you know, think about your criteria, but be open-minded. So like, you know, if you're just putting like age range of 30 to 32 must be Catholic, like being so specific, it's, it's not a good play um, because you're missing out of, of you know, on the opportunity to meet new people and change your mind and, and be a little bit more flexible. I think flexibility is so critical when you're thinking about dating and then don't be on 15 apps. Like try to be intentional, pick one that you think is good for you. And then like, you know, spend 10 minutes a day on it. And then, you know, if you do that, it'll just, 
the problem that you have with all these apps is that you start to believe, you start to get disconnected from reality. And so you want to, as much as possible, even though you're in an app situation, which is very much obviously digital, you want to, as much as possible, try to stay tied to the world of reality. And, and, and if you do so, then you'll be able to actually go out and meet nice people and then, you know, convert those into dates. I was going to say too, for women, certain filters, if you add it on, I'm not sure how they work, but I think if the other person just doesn't have it filled out on their profile, it's also not showing you them. So like the thing yeah. about Catholic, like if you put Catholic or Catholicism, if the other person doesn't have that written in, they actually might also have been raised Catholic, but they just didn't put it on their profile. And then oh, that's so an true. option you don't see. Oh, oh! so you wouldn't get that person to I pop don't think up? you do. No, if you're doing very oh. specific filters, like which, you know, certain ones I'm like, yeah, do you. But you have to think like, oh, are there ones that some people might skip per se? You know what you can do too that would be really, and I did this, so I personally lived through this, is like show somebody of the opposite gender your, um, what you put yeah. down. Yep. And I remember they got yelled at. It's like, <laughs> and like, what, like, what's wrong if she's five, two? And I was like, nothing. And like, well, you put like deal breaker, she has to be five, four and above. And I was like, oh, did I, I, I don't know. <laughs> and then you're like, you know, like, so all these like stupid things you fill in and you're cause like guys, you're like, go through it quick. And you're like, Rrr. yeah. and then women are I'm way more thoughtful. And so like two women friend of mine went through it and they were like, one of them was like, she got really offended because I would have like, I would have like excluded her. And she was like, what's wrong with me? And I'm like, oh no, you're awesome. She's like, you've got to widen your things. And sure enough, I ended up meeting women who were outside of my original criteria who were great, like that I was glad to have met. So I think that's also important. Oh yeah. And a lot of women do that with height. And that's the one thing I, I'm a tall woman, but I tell people, I'm like, that's shouldn't really be that much of a factor. <laughs> um, I have a question. I, I think I've heard you reference this before of like, the secretary experiment, right? The interviewing for a secretary position. Do you find that there's any parallels with that and online dating of like, hey, if you're doing online dating, maybe only go on a date with like chunks of three at a time or something. Like schedule dates with three people, meet all three of those people. If you eliminate one, then set up another date versus not. Like, I'm curious if, uh, I don't know, you think yeah. there's any parallels there? Most definitely. I think it's important that we all like, when you're, and I tried this, I tried dating. I was actually like went out with three girls at the same time once and like in the, in the past, which, which was like, kind of just did it to see if I could do it. And frankly, like it was stupid because I was so tired and exhausted. It was like hard to keep up. And like, I couldn't remember who was who and whatever, but I would say that like, again, it comes back to like, that's FOMO, right? It's like, I don't want to miss out on any girl who comes across or guy who comes across the transom. And it's like, why are you doing that? Like, ask yourself, like, is this achieving my objective or not? And so I would say like, you know, it's important to like, when you're out dating about like to be open to new people, but like just trying to fill every night with a date because you feel like you have to, it's pointless. It's, it, it's that, that's where the FOMO comes in. And, and, you know, it's like, it's just not, um, it's not a good use of your time. And it also like spreads your energy. So you can't make better decisions. Mm, okay. Okay. So, so what, what would you say with an online dating app? Should you just go on one date with one person, see if you want a second one? What, what do you think? I think it's good to be doing two at once just so you can compare a little bit and see like, oh, if you had a better time. Cause like the way I think about dating is like, if I have a good time, I just go on another date. I don't think more about it. It's like until like eventually, you know, you, you make a decision, but like, I think it's like good to just have more, like, like I said, knowledge is power, more data, more information about how you're feeling and what you're perceiving about the world to a point, I mean, to a point, you know, like is very helpful. Obviously when you get into data overload, that's where you come into indecision. And so I would say, you know, two to three people 
in the sort of docket is, you know, not that you're going out three nights a week with your different people, but like, you're kind of like talking with one person on the app, you're kind of going out with a person, maybe you can do on the second one. That's kind of the limit. I'd say that's, that's all you can really do. I like that comparison option. Cause I think this happens to a lot of women. It definitely happens to me of you go on one really good date and then you're like, Oh, I'm, I'm interested in this person. Like, let's keep seeing them, see where it goes. And then when it ends, it just feels so much more devastating because that's where all of your focus is too. And it's like, okay, well now I got to start over. So it's like more of just a continual process instead of just having to go back to the the starting line. Yeah. I think that like, you know, in my other book is all about diversification and in life. And so I recommend people, you know, they have a day job, but they should be doing other things on the side. And so it's a, a lot of my other work outside of the FOMO world because we all have FOMO and one cure to FOMO is to be able to do things, many different things, but like not fully commit. And so like dating is a little like that. You're getting to try a bunch of potential relationships without like committing full time and being diversified is important because like you can't put all your eggs in one basket until you're really sure. And even then you may get hurt, of course. I mean, that's life. But like, I think the idea of like putting all your eggs in in one basket before you have really much information is just, it's a very dangerous way to, to live your life. Okay, so we have two questions that we ask every guest. So uh, you can choose which one you want to answer, um, but they are, uh, the first one is, what's the best piece of dating advice that you've ever received? And the second one is, can you remember a time that you shot your shot and was it a hit or a miss? Oh my goodness. I would, I mean, I don't have a good story for the shoot, the shot one that, I, that I'm going to share with you today, unfortunately, but I would say, um, <laughs> Um, in terms of dating advice, I, I think the thing that I've learned, the advice that I follow that is most useful to me is like, literally like, I tend to be overthink everything. I'm hyper analytical and I do have FOMO and FOBO because I invented the words. I still have them. I just know how to deal with them. And so what I have found very helpful is to not, I simply don't think about it. I ask myself at the end of a date, did I have fun? Did I enjoy spending time with this woman? And then if I did, if the answer is yes, then I just go out again. And so that has been really helpful in the early stages of the relationship and not getting into the hypotheticals of like on day two, like, could I marry this woman? Like, that's just so unhelpful. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of guys overthink like that. And so, and women too. And so I would encourage people to just think about it that way. It's like, did I like the ice cream? Would I like some more ice cream? <laughs> yes or no? <laughs> I like the simplicity of that. Yeah, I was, I was going to say there's a couple different dating people we've talked to that have written books and stuff, and they're basically like, fuck the spark. And they also say like, that takes time to build a little bit as well. And that's also their advice is like, yeah, you had a good time, go on another one, like go on a handful of dates. You don't have to super commit. You could go on a handful of dates and then see, and then make the decision. Yeah. I think that's, that's been one of my big things I learned as a adult. And I think it's a good piece of advice. Awesome. I was going to say, can I ask a quick small one then? Yeah. You couldn't think of something for shoot your shot, but as a man, say you're out in public and you see a girl that you want to talk to or ask out, whatever. What's what's your move? I say a little something like this. Did you know I invented FOMO? <laughs> no, you don't. No, you no, don't. You... Do you really? No, I don't. Uh-huh. I, tried <laughs> I tried it and it was it went over like a lead balloon. I totally... Oh, missed... no. Oh, I'll tell you a shoot. Okay, fine. I'll tell you a shoot. <laughs> I met this girl like four or five years ago at a rooftop party who was really awesome. Like 
amazing. Um, like really hot? Is that what you mean? Just awesome. <laughs> like really well educated. Okay. Really interesting. Really beautiful. Really worldly. Like interesting. Fan. Like her brother actually kind of. Her brother's like a TV anchor. Like she's just. You know, it's like that the whole family's cool, grew up all over the world, speaks four languages, like very much the type of girl that I like. And um, and so I got her number and we were texting and I was trying to get her out with me. And I did throw the FOMO line and it just she was like, that is pathetic. <gasps> and it was it was so harsh. I like she I found out she's not a very nice person eventually. So like I guess that was good. But like I was just like, I was like, wow, like oof, that was tough. So So you never went out, I'm guessing? Well, no, and then she ended up she's like hooking up with this guy who was like Mr. Burning Man, like, you know, had like long, like she didn't want me. Like she wants like a guy who plays the harp, who like also like smokes a lot of pot and like she can have that guy. But like, she, she, that wasn't meant to be. But um, but I love I that there. you know how it yeah. worked out for her. <laughs> you followed her. Uh, no, I asked, I didn't, Um, I asked our mutual friends. I was like, what happened to mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. And they're like, well, she's like living with a guy in like Brooklyn and like, his name is Leaf and all this stuff. <laughs> I was like, okay, like, and I, listen, that's awesome. So I hope things are going well with Leaf. That's um, so funny. Anyway, You're sorry, like, she didn't so... want Harvard. She wanted Vassar. <laughs> <laughs> I'm feeling, I'm like blushing over here. I can't believe, like, so what a tool. I mean, Damn. don't do that guys, like ever. Um, I mean, I, it's kind of funny that she called you out and just said pathetic. That's yeah. pretty bold. <laughs> Cause yeah. I've, I've yeah. done something along those lines where I've just gone seriously. <laughs> the dude's like, yeah, I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, and I, I was like, ha ha ha. And then I was like, so when are we getting together? And she just wasn't so. I'm like, why'd you give me my number if you're not interested? But whatever, that's a whole other story. Can't yeah. think about it. That's a, that's a good point. <laughs> yeah. Should we call her? <laughs> yeah, let's get her on the pod. Look we'll at her, her number on my phone somewhere. <laughs> Damn, that's crazy. Well, thank you for sharing. And thank you again so much for coming on. Um, everybody, you can follow Patrick at Patrick J. McGinnis. And definitely check out his TED Talk, How to Make Faster Decisions, and his book, The Fear of Missing Out, Practical Decision Making in a World of Overwhelming Choice. This has been so cool talking to you about all these series. Thank you so much. It was super fun. Yeah. And if you want to follow us, we're at Shooters Gotta Shoot Pod on Instagram. And I'm at Sparica with two A's. And I'm at the Guaca underscore Molly. And we'll see you guys next week. Bye. Bye.